0: Expose my mind to clarity, Oh, my spirit shudders, capture the moment uh, to keep my sanity, and the wisdom rushing in, so much clearer.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see that we have a new location that I'm filming this podcast in. And that's because we moved, guys. I'm in a new house and I have a new office. My office currently is a mess. I'm filming kind of just like in this corner right now. And it's because the rest of my office is in shambles. Like all the stuff that I own are literally in just reusable bags and boxes everywhere. So yeah, I did move. And that is a huge thing going on in my life right now. The past two days, I literally haven't worked really. I have just been moving nonstop. We only moved like five minutes away from our other house, which you'd think would be like, oh, it's so easy. You can just run over and like grab stuff. But I feel like it makes it harder because I genuinely like didn't pack anything. I just threw it in my car and drove it over and then drove back like it was just, it's a lot. So we moved and I'm going to need some advice on my office furniture situation this is an advice column episode, but I'm going to need your guys' advice, probably on my Instagram stories at some point, like, next week, because my office is just crazy. Like, I, it's maybe a little bit bigger than my other office, but I have different goals for this office. I want to make, like, I want to have, like, a full couch, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, guys. So stay tuned for all of that, because I am, like ready to redecorate all of my old furniture that I had in my office. Basically I put like other places in my house because I'm ready to get some new stuff in here. So we're going to be redecorating. It's very exciting. Our moving experience has been quite chaotic to say the least because we were supposed to move in actually like two days from now when this is being recorded. So the fact that we're even in the house was a surprise because the owners like moved out and they were like, Hey, we moved out, but we didn't like clean it or anything. So we're going to come back and clean it in like a week and a half. But if you want to get in before that, you can move into the house as is. So obviously we wanted to get into the house sooner. So we hired some cleaners, got the house clean the next day. And then it was like, go time. It was like, Packing and moving, it was just chaos. We don't even have like that much furniture, but like the furniture we have is heavy. And like, I have this couch that's like half circle shape, like it's kind of like arched a little bit, and it's so hard to move because there's no place to grab it. It's just, guys, I've been going through a lot with this whole move, but I'm happy to be in this new house. I have to tell you guys, it is like my dream location we can walk to like literally a million restaurants coffee shops like you name it we can walk to it and so like this is my dream right now um so yeah i'm thriving living in my new house i love it already we i have walked like every single morning already just like walked to random places because i'm just i'm loving life um yeah so i just kind of jumped into life updates we're doing some advice on today's episode. You guys wrote in and we have, we've got some serious things to discuss today. We've got, you guys need some advice and it's, we're going to get into it. Like we've got tons of topics. Um, we've got some bad videographers that you've been working with. We've got imposter syndrome, um, motion blur, locations, travel photography, lots of stuff, people asking for discounts. So we're going to get into it. We're going to just dive in. Um, the only other thing I wanted to tell you guys, which at this point you probably will have seen it on my Instagram if you follow me on Instagram, but I'm actually throwing myself my own birthday party (laughs) because why not? Like I knew that really no one was going to throw me the type of party that I wanted, so I was like, I'm just going to throw it for myself, so that's what we're doing. Honestly, I have no shame about throwing my own birthday party because this is exactly the party that I want, and like, I'm not going to be like, Charlie, plan me this birthday party and do this, 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 this. Like at that point, I need to just plan it myself. So we're going out on Lake Michigan. Me and 25 of my friends slash family. And we're going out on this boat. And it's just like a two-hour cruise. It's a sunset cruise. So it's at night slash evening. And we're just hanging out. Like we um I told everyone that they had to dress in like yacht attire, which to me just basically means like don't wear your average outfit. Like, don't just wear what you normally wear. Um, I'm wearing like a dress. Charlie's wearing just like classic, like linen shirt and pants thing. The classic thing that every guy wears basically the summer. Um, so yeah, I am super excited. I ordered myself a birthday cake. We're going to have charcuterie boards. Yeah. So I am so excited for this party it's kind of just like all of my friends and family that I'm close to like we're just going on a boat for two hours and I could not be more excited I am just like yeah I hope it goes well I hope no one like gets too sick I have a friend that's pregnant and she's literally due like next week so I hope that nothing happens with that but yeah you're gonna see some birthday party content and that's because I threw myself my own birthday party okay no shame Okay, let's get into some of these advice um, submissions because we've got a lot to cover. Okay, here's the first one. Hi, Cassidy, fellow Grand Rapids photographer here. I was wondering how you started to gain slash book clients in different locations other than your hometown. I would love to get into traveling for shoots. I'm just not sure how to market myself as a travel photographer. So if you guys don't know, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So that's what this person, this person also lives in Grand Rapids. So here's the thing. When it comes to travel photography, from my experience, a lot of people start shooting travel, like weddings and stuff like that through people that they meet in their hometown. So it's not like... You know, you're getting discovered by these random people in Ireland and then they just fly you there. Like, it'll be people from where you live that are going and eloping somewhere or going and having a wedding in Italy and they want to hire someone that's local to go there with them. From my experience, that's how a lot of people start with travel photography. Someone from their hometown, you know, takes them somewhere else. So I think it's good that you're just gaining clients in your hometown. You know, there are so many different reasons that people will have you travel for photography. Sometimes it's like, oh, I am getting married in Michigan, but we actually live in Houston, but we're from Michigan. So can you fly to Houston for our engagement session? And then the wedding's going to be in Michigan. That's happened to me a lot where it's like I'm flying for something and then like my couple is getting married in Michigan or whatever, or like vice versa. Someone's from Michigan, but they live in San Francisco. So they like fly me out there. So I really feel like making connections in your hometown actually is the best place to start for travel photography. Another thing is just like having a portfolio to show of you traveling. And I've talked about this on the podcast previously, but like you need to be traveling in order to get booked for travel. Like you need to like, show that you travel and honestly gaining like a social media presence and like posting on social media honestly is how I gained a lot of my travel bookings because my name was being spread like wider than just my hometown like it's being spread to other places and because of that like people were able to find me that lived in I don't know California or wherever going back to my first point about having people from your hometown and then them traveling places, literally I think, mm, I think, okay. So I did like five ish travel things in May. I think four of them were people that were from Michigan. I'm pretty sure my one in um, Cabo, the girl was from Michigan. Uh, There was another one where the girl was from Michigan. My one, in big Sur, She was from Michigan. So don't like, underestimate the power of just making your name in your hometown. Honestly, like my best advice would be do that. Okay. Next submission. I really want to know how you take wedding pictures during the day with the sun in their faces. Don't we all want to know how to do this? (laughs) It is so challenging because here's the thing. Here's my beef with weddings. People want to do first looks, which I think is great. It's awesome. But first looks typically fall from, like, 1 p.m. to, like, 3 p.m. Because, you know, usually your ceremony is from, like, you know, either from 4 p.m. to, like, 6 p.m. That's, like, the most typical ceremony time. So your first looks basically basically going to be when the sun is, like, at its highest. And then your portraits are going to be after that. So how do you take photos when the sun is, like, in their faces and it's super high? I mean, no matter what time of day you're shooting, you're still going to have the sun a little bit backlit or frontlit. You're going to be able to manipulate the light a little bit. So my best advice is to get that even lighting and get that sun right behind your subject if you can so that you can get them evenly lit. So sometimes that means when I'm doing poses like I'm having them shift like little if it's just like a little bit of sun is hitting part of one person's face I'll have them shift a little bit so it's perfectly evenly lit and I do that for like every pose or for like a walking pose like I make sure that they're perfectly shifted so that it's nice and even lighting another thing that is super helpful for like pictures during the day is just finding a patch of shade um, or I think it's called indirect sun is what it's called but it's like if the sun is mm, like full, if it's full sun on an area, but then there's like a tree that provides a patch of shade, I'm going to be shooting in that little tree shade area. And then I'm going to put the sun behind them a little bit. So yeah, that that's my best advice for wedding pictures during the day. Find shade or like get them backlit if you can. That's, that's really all I got. Besides that, best of luck. I know some people use like reflectors which is probably like a good thing to do, but I don't because I feel like it's just so like I got to have like an extra person to hold the reflector and it just feels a little inorganic for me. So I'm not going to use a reflector. Next submission. How do you keep track of your photo earnings versus regular job earnings when you still worked while doing photography? I work full time, but make a decent amount from doing photography, but it's currently all going into the same account as my regular work pay. So my best advice is to open a business bank account. However, if you don't have an LLC or like you're not registered as a business yet, you can't open a business bank account. So then I would recommend creating just a separate sub savings in your personal bank account that all of your photography money goes into. So if you accept payments through Venmo and um, HoneyBook, those are linked specifically to that one sub-savings, and the only thing that flows in and out of there is going to be photography purchases and photography income. That's going to be the easiest way to keep track of it, other than using QuickBooks. But even with QuickBooks, you're going to have to link your personal bank account that has, like, all of your personal transactions. If you create your separate sub-savings within your personal banking, you can go into QuickBooks and link just your sub-savings account. So the only thing that you're going to be categorizing is your sub-savings income. Um, so that that that's honestly the best thing that you can do. You don't necessarily need a separate business bank account when you're first starting. And, like, if you're not registered yet, it's basically all of your photography income, you just report on your income taxes and then you have to set aside money for taxes and everything. So if that's the case where you don't want to set up a separate business bank account, make sure you're setting 30% of all of your photography income. Set it aside for taxes. So that might mean creating another sub-savings, call it like photography tax savings or something like that. And any transaction that comes in From photography, let's say you get $500 from a session, 30% of that is going to have to go into that separate savings account called tax savings, okay? So that's my best recommendation for keeping track of everything. Basically, QuickBooks is going to help you keep track of your revenue. If you do go in and categorize your expenses and your income, it'll be super easy to just see. Like QuickBooks just gives you like this dashboard that says you have this much income, Um, this many expenses, and then this is your total revenue based on this one bank account. Okay. I need advice on having confidence in my work and business. I want to follow other photographers for inspiration and content ideas or trends, but obviously not stealing their work. But it makes me feel inadequate seeing so much beautiful work on my feed. How do you find that balance? I just started charging for my work and I'm feeling super... Like an imposter and I have imposter, imposter syndrome hard. I could use a Cassidy pep talk. <laughs> well, if you're looking for a pep talk, you're in the right place because I can pep talk you all day. The key with this, and it's going to be hard, but you need to get rid of some of those photographers on your feed. Um, truly only keep the photographers like maybe three to five that you really look up to And if there are just some that are kind of like halfway for you, you don't even have to unfollow them, but just mute them. Like the best thing you could do is just mute. So you don't have to see it on your feed, but you still are like following them. And it's not like going to be awkward. Cause at the end of the day, it's nothing that they're doing. Like, it's kind of just like a you thing. The best thing that I did for my business was not doing what everybody else was doing. And I'm just like, gonna be transparent like that's when my tiktok started taking off and my instagram was when I stopped being like everyone else on social media and like shooting like this person that I saw and I just started like doing things how I wanted to and I think there's a certain sense of confidence and freedom that comes when you can just be like I don't care what's trendy I don't care what anyone else is doing I'm just gonna do my own thing and That's that. However, there is a balance because like you mentioned trends and stuff, you do need to know like what's trending and what's going on so that you can kind of grow in that way. But I would recommend finding accounts on your social media that are not photographers, or maybe they're like a different type of photography or something like that, where you can still feel inspired, but you don't feel discouraged. Because it's like they kind of are in a completely different field or a different niche than you. So it's not like you can like compare yourself to them. Um, I think it's also important to remember that every successful business is like they're like in their own independent thing. And every single business has something unique that they do or they do something a little bit different than this person. So just remember like let's say you do keep these people on your feed and you don't unfollow or mute anyone remember that like they are probably in different stages than you like this person might have been shooting for 10 years and like they have tons of experience or maybe a person that's shooting at this wedding in Italy maybe it's their sister-in-law you know and they got that gig because it's someone that they know you just never know like Instagram is such a highlight reel you never know how a certain situation came to be or any of that. So you really can't compare yourself to it. Like you kind of have to be like, wow, this is a beautiful photo, but like I'm not going to get mad at myself for not having that photo because I, I want genuine experiences that mean something to me and I want that to be a huge part of my business. And like that's what that is for this person and I'm happy for them, but like my time will come. Honestly, I 100% believe that like your time will come, but you can't like, it's going to come slower and slower if you keep like looking at what everyone else is doing. So keep your blinders up, be unique, be original and like, don't, don't feel like you have to do what everyone else is doing. Okay. I hope that was a good pep talk for you. Okay, this person said, I think we are really similar in personality and lifestyle. I do not focus on weddings. My photography niche is graduating seniors and lifestyle brands, but I am very geared towards creating community and educating friends around me. Very similar to you. I love how authentic you are and how open you are with what you know, but transparent that you don't know everything. You've also built your community so well. Wow, this is like a nice submission. Thank you. Any tips for how I can grow as an educator within my niche too? Yeah, so I love the topic of educating people and like how to become an educator because that's something that I did within the past two years and that's what really shifted my business was when I went from just being a photographer to then teaching on different things. So I love this question, how do you grow as an educator within your niche? I think it's important. Literally, I think you kind of have the answer in your question. Being authentic, being open with what you know, but being transparent that you don't know everything. And I think even you just sharing the little bit of knowledge that you do have, not saying you just have a little bit of knowledge, but like the bits of knowledge that you have, it might not be like, I know how to perfectly light a full studio, but maybe you know like a little bit of lighting tips or you know outdoor lighting tips whatever you know share it and you might get those people who are seasoned photographers who are like oh this is basic knowledge like i already know what you're talking about and those people are not your audience those people are not the people that you want to be teaching towards so those are kind of the haters but then you have to think about the fact that what you are saying there are people out there who don't know what you're saying And those are the people that you are going to be creating content for and, like, that's going to be your community are the people that, like, don't necessarily know what you're saying but, like, are willing to learn. Like, those people, the people that are willing to learn, those are the people that I want in my community because that mindset of being willing to learn is, like, so good. And, like, those (laughs) everyone that is willing to learn is, like, so awesome. So... That's kind of something to keep in mind. Um, Let me kind of circle back to your question. Any tips on how you can grow as an educator within your niche? You need to put out content that's teaching people. You need to teach people, and it needs to be all over your social media platforms. You need to have free resources on your website. You got to have guides and maybe like a free mini course or something like that. You need to have content that people can buy as well. Because at the end of the day, if you give free, like a free guide, you want to have something else that they can purchase if they want to continue to learn from you. That's kind of how you turn it into a business is like you give people like the tidbits of knowledge on like some of these free guides. But then you also offer paid courses or like a paid guide or something like that. So if someone does want to learn from you and learn more from you, they can buy this thing over here. But if they don't want to, they at least got a free guide out of it. And that's good, too. Um yeah, I think it's good to kind of figure out what are your education pillars? Like what are the things that you feel you're really good at as far as teaching and like use those pillars for creating content? I I have pillars and like I feel like there are things that I'm really good at teaching. Um and that that's what I teach. Like I'm not going to go around and teach studio lighting because I don't know how to light a studio that well, but I I can teach you how to shoot a wedding. So like, just know what your strong suit is and teach people that. That's a really good question. Hi Cassidy. I'm wondering if you can talk about how long you typically wait for an inquiry to respond to your initial email. I've sent my pricing guide to five inquiries in the past four days and only heard back from one. I've been sending a scheduling link to schedule a Zoom call for wedding inquiries and I wonder if that's turning people off. I guess I'm asking what your booking process looks like. Should I send pricing guides right away or try to get them on a Zoom call first? Typically, or should I totally nix the Zoom call altogether, thank you. This is a hard question because everyone has different processes. I can kind of walk you through mine, but I know people who require a Zoom call to book a wedding, other people who don't require a Zoom call, people who do um, custom packages, other people who don't. So I think it kind of depends on the audience that you are advertising to and like the type of clientele that you are booking, I guess. So for me, what works is having like starting prices on my website. I think a lot of the times people get ghosted because what your client values is not what you value and you're not communicating their value in your initial response. Therefore, they found value in what someone else does. So if someone really values, let's say... um, Like they really want their photos to be super trendy and like filmy and like whatever. Um, And you send over a full gallery that is more traditional and like more classic. You didn't communicate what they value and they went with someone else probably. So my process, someone reaches out and right away I send like an automatic email that allows people to book a phone call with me if they want to. Um, most of the time people don't, but some people do, um, because I want to give people like that instant option. And then after that, I will send a big long email with pricing and process details and like literally so much stuff, pricing guide. And then I also have a phone call scheduling link as well in that. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily book the phone call with me. A lot of people just communicate with me via email and book me from email, like I don't ever do Zoom calls and I still get booked. Um, I think the people that want to do Zoom calls, they want like hands-on guidance as far as like pricing and packages go. So if you are, you know, let's say getting ghosted with your prices, because you are sending prices, you're giving people a Zoom call link. I would say maybe hold back a little bit of info and like maybe don't, have set package prices but maybe do like custom pricing and try that out because if you're hopping on a Zoom call like I feel like that's a really good time to talk through what they want for their wedding and you can provide like a custom quote for them I think that would be a really good move to do like more of a hands-on you you don't give as much information and you're kind of waiting for that Zoom call to like reveal all of your cards and like, be like, here's my pricing, here's what I can offer you. And then you can hop on a face-to-face and really be like, here's why you should work with me. Um, so, I mean, that that's an idea. Um, it's good to follow up with people though. Like, So you said you sent pricing guides to five inquiries in the past four days. You've heard back from one. I would definitely shoot a follow-up email. Um, honestly, after like two or three days, Send that follow up email. Just be like, hey, just checking in, where are you at? Um, that would be a really good thing to do. If you're not hearing back after you send that follow up email, then there's something broken in that process. It could be the scheduling link, it could be the pricing guide, um, it could be the email. Maybe your email is literally going to spam for people. You got to figure these things out. Okay. So that would be something I would recommend. Okay. I oh, hope that was a good answer. <laughs> This next one. I started working on my photography business full time this year. Previously I was studying, studying and doing some odd work. I've been struggling to get client reviews, but no one has never no one has ever been unhappy with the photos cuz they'll post them to their social media, change their profile pictures almost immediately. More recently I started specifically asking that once they've gotten the whole gallery to write a review but still nothing. I'm not sure what to do differently because I'm getting the same outcome whether I say something or not. So reviews are tricky because you can't force someone to do something. And when it comes to reviews, you're literally asking someone to take time out of their day to leave you a review. So you can't, that's the first thing you can't force anyone to do anything. You know, I've had great experiences with places. I've been to restaurants that I really like. Um, You know, I've had, Great, experience, great experiences with people, but like sometimes I'm just too busy and I forget to leave a review. Even if I get a reminder, I still forget to leave a review. So sometimes it's not a you thing. It's a them thing and it's like a time thing. But I do think there are some things you can do to help you get more reviews. One, post your review link on socials. Post it to your story and be like, hey, if you've worked with me, use this link. I would love for you to write a review for me. It would mean the world. Sometimes I see those and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I totally forgot to do that and I'm going to go do that. That's one thing you can do. You can send a direct email or a text to your clients. I wouldn't double do it though. So don't send more than one email um, or more than one text. Like, Just send an email or just send a text and say, hey, would love for you to leave me a review. Um, Ask your friends and family to leave you reviews and kind of build you up a little bit, especially if you've worked with like, your friends and family. Like I took pictures of my sisters all the time. So my sisters left me my first reviews and like my mom, like I took her headshots. So stuff like that, have your friends and family leave reviews for you. Something that I've been doing for the longest time is in my gallery delivery email, like when they get the link to their gallery right above it, it says like, I would love for you to leave me a review, have a good day. And like, I have like a link to it. So when they, get the option to like, look at their gallery, that link is right above it. So it's pretty easy to like leave a review if it's in your gallery delivery email. So those are a few things that you can do to kind of incentivize reviews. I mean, if you really want to, you could have people leave you a review and like do like a giveaway with that. But that seems a little, um, inauthentic because it's like, you want it to be people that have actually worked with you. Um, that's my best advice for that. Okay, so this next one is actually not advice, but they said that they are spilling tea. So this isn't going to be like a nice little breakup of our little advice things. They said, this videographer literally stayed in all of my shots at the last wedding that I shot, even stepped in front of me during the intro to the reception for the couple and during couples portraits. A lot of my nice photos have this videographer in the back and literally I've had several convos to this guy that he needs to be mindful backstory. The couple asked if we could do a video for them, but our prices for adding on full day video was too expensive compared to the $500 offer they were given by another videographer. However, they told us and the video, they told us in the video bo- <laughs> Oh, I just, I could not say that word. However, they told us in the coordinator that they changed their minds about having a video done. Well, not even 10 minutes before I and my other photographers arrive at the wedding location, the coordinator calls me up stating they have a videographer. She said, five minutes ago, I just answered the door to a guy stating that he's the videographer. Are these not things that need to be explained to the photographers and other vendors working at the wedding? Apparently, they booked him two weeks before the wedding date and didn't even bother telling anyone. LOL. Anyways, not excited. So the reason that I wanted to like share this one is because I feel like I have been having really bad videographer experiences lately and (laughs) it's to the point where sometimes I have like the best wedding ever and then like the videographer literally ruins it for me but on the flip side I know that there are photographers that ruin like wedding days for videographers as well so I think it's a two-way street But, I mean, does a couple have to tell you that they booked a videographer two weeks before the wedding? No. Unfortunately, no. Like, they're not really obligated to tell you anything other than, like, the information that you need to know. Would it be helpful communication? Yes. Like, would it be smart for them to tell you? Yeah. But I feel like sometimes, not saying that you are like this, but, like, just in general, it can be easy to kind of become entitled as a photographer and be, like, I get the shot and the videographer just works around me. Most of the time, that's how most videographers work. But there are some that kind of like to take charge a little bit. Sounds like this person was just like not, not it. Like they were getting in your shots. Like it's rude. Um, I think like at the beginning of a wedding day, it's just so good to approach each other and just like let each other know like how things, how you typically work and maybe even like Before the ceremony, you kind of walk through where you're going to stand and what you're going to shoot on so that they know, like if you're shooting wider, like they can't just like come up next to you because they're probably in the shot. So communication is good for those. That was just tea. That wasn't even, they weren't even asking for advice. Okay. Next one. This is silly, but I'm so stuck. What export settings should I use from Lightroom to a client's gallery slash Instagram, et cetera? I feel like my photos lose sharpness and quality when I post them or share them. Thanks in advance. Um, this, I've heard of this happening so many times. I'm pretty sure if your photos show up blurry on Instagram, that's like an Instagram glitch. It's not your fault. Um, so I don't really know like a solution to that cause I'm pretty sure it's like not your fault. If you're putting high quality photos in Instagram, Instagram is able to like show them as high quality. So I'm pretty sure like that's not your fault, but you asked for export settings. So I export in JPEG, sRGB color space. 300 pixels per inch and then in the quality section I do anywhere from 90 to 100 in quality. I watched a bunch of videos on that and there's not like a huge difference visibly between the 90 to 100. Like it's more just like a file size thing. So I think mine's at like 95 in quality or something like that. Um but yeah, I don't do anything else export wise to my photos. I export them like that and then upload them straight to the gallery like that. And, and if I'm posting on Instagram, I am posting my full resolution photos on Instagram. So that's, that's all I have to say. I'm sorry to blame Instagram, but like literally I'm pretty sure it's their fault. Okay. Settings for adding motion blur in Photoshop. So this is a fun idea. And I actually posted a reel, like maybe a week ago at this point where like I noticed that I was continuing to take photos as I was switching from portrait to landscape. So like some of my photos are super like crooked and just half like they're just like not cute, but they're like really, really crooked. And a lot of people were like, oh, you should just add motion blur to that. So I've done that before. Here's how you do it. You go into Photoshop, you go to filter. So you put your photo in, you go to filter, blur and the motion blur, and then you just adjust the angle and all the settings to kind of match your subject's motion and just to make it look natural. So you kind of have to mess around with those motion blur settings on Photoshop, but that is one way to do it. And it's kind of fun. Like I, I kind of like it. Next question, what's the best advice I've ever gotten? So I thought about this before the podcast, and the first thing that popped into my mind was something that my mom told me. And this was decently early in my business, but she basically said, you don't need anyone else to be successful and be careful who you let into your space. And I remember at first thinking like, oh, that's a little harsh. Like that seems a little bit like um, isolating. But I do think that you need to be careful who you are letting into your business space. Um, I mean, I've heard time and time again of people who have been screwed over by associate shooters or second shooters or business partners or They thought that they were getting into, like, when they're planning a style shoot, like, they thought that this person was going to do X, Y, and Z, and then, like, they ended up, like, screwing them over and taking half the profits. Like, I have heard horror stories. So I do think it's important to protect your bubble and just be, be careful about who you're letting into your space. And the first thing my mom said is I don't need anyone else to, like, be successful. Like, you don't need... Like, truly, you don't need to be, like, business partners with someone or, I don't know, like, you don't need to uh, be, I'm almost thinking, this is kind of a hard concept to explain, but I'm almost thinking of, like, when someone, like, tries to take advantage of you in your business and they, oh, I don't know. Like, for example, like, in my business, I do a lot of brand partnerships, but a lot of people want to do, like, affiliate like collabs where I only make money if people use my affiliate link and make money and that that seems slimy so I think it's just like you don't need these other people in order to succeed and I think that's kind of like where it falls into like this piece of advice I also like there was a time when someone approached me about like adding my one of my courses to this like photography education, like hub thing and I was like really into it, but I talked to my mom about it and she was like, you don't need someone else like basically they were using my con they were gonna be using my content and getting half the profits from it and then I would just like I created the content, but they're making the money from it. It was yeah, just stuff like that just be careful okay. The next piece of advice that I'm going to give is on locations. This person says, how do I know where I'm able to take pictures at and if I'm overstepping my boundaries or getting in people's way? And then the other question that kind of ties into this, when you're new to an area, how do you go about finding new locations? How do you know which you're able to use? What about downtown? How do you know where is okay and where you need permission? Um, So anywhere that's like public, you can take photos. So like public parks, downtown, as long as it's not private property. Okay. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Like you can't just pull, pull over on the side of the road and take photos in a random field because that's probably someone's property. Um, and that's trespassing. Um, how do you know if you're overstepping boundaries or getting in people's way? I mean, if you're in a public place, you're allowed to take photos there some places require permits. Um, so like there's a greenhouse where I live that you have to pay, like, like just to go in and see it as like a guest, you have to pay a ticket fee and then they charge like a photography fee. So that, that would be a scenario where you need to pay the photography fee. Otherwise you might get kicked out or get in trouble. Um, if you're in a new area, how do you find like find locations? Um, you really just have to go around, drive around, do some scouting, walk around, maybe um do a couple of google searches, go to parks, beaches, like go go to places around you downtown, like and just look at different areas and mark, literally put pins on google maps and say like here's a photo location and save it in your favorites so you don't forget it. And maybe even like describe it, you know? Um that's something that I've done. Um and then how do you know where you need permission? I mean, to be honest, if it's, like, a public area, you should be able to use it. However, like, sometimes if you're in, like, a restaurant, you need permission. So, I mean, it's a good idea to, like, talk to management and just ask them if it's okay if you shoot or, like, you know, reach out beforehand before you just show up to a bar um, in a hotel and start shooting. You know, that's a little invasive. The next submission, someone said, shooting a manual, I'm really struggling. Honestly, I could sit here and try to explain it to you, but my best advice would be go watch like YouTube videos on shooting a manual. So learn aperture, ISO, and shutter. Those are the three very important things. And then going out and shooting. The old, I didn't even like get any guidance on shooting a manual. I literally picked up a, a camera and just went outside and... Like, just tried to figure out what each thing meant. And then someone said to me, ISO is lower, so your ISO needs to be as low as it can go if it's bright outside. And that really stuck with me. I was like, okay, that's something I can remember. And then from there, I watched some YouTube videos and just, like, learned. Like, okay, this is what the numbers mean and everything. So, yeah, go watch, like, some videos on YouTube and then go and practice it. Maybe you sit down at a table with your computer pull up a video on shooting in manual. And then if they say like the lower your ISO is lower, the lower your ISO is the darker image is going to be like, if they say something like that, have your camera next to you and like see, okay, I'm going to bring my ISO all the way to hundred and see how it looks. And then I'm going to bring it up to 500 and see how it looks and compare that and pause the video and then move on. So you can fully understand it because I feel like being a hands-on learner is like something that a lot of photographers are because we go out and shoot and like, it's a hands-on thing. Do I feel like starting my podcast has helped grow my photography career? Or do I think starting a podcast is something that, that should wait until you have more experience in your career? I've been dreaming of starting a podcast for a while and just kind of feel like there's never a right time or maybe there is. I really just want to have a reason to interview other creatives and learn together as well as... Share all the wedding opinions and photo tips, stories, thoughts. I mean, if you've been wanting to do it, do it. There's never going to be a right time. Like I feel like we're always like, oh, I'm going to wait for life to slow down and then I'll do this. I feel like life never slows down. So I would say just do it. I, I do want to let you know that it is a time commitment. Like once you start a podcast, the best podcasts are the ones that are consistent I've seen podcasts started by photographers that literally like they just just stop posting and it's just kind of like that. That's why your podcast didn't succeed is because you stopped post, You didn't keep posting. So consistency is key. Like if someone's going to be into a podcast, I'm wanting new episodes all the time. Like I'm wanting weekly, if not multiple times a week. So that's just something to keep in mind. It's a pretty big time commitment. And yeah, but if you feel like it's something you want to do, like literally do it. I don't see why not, okay? It's a great idea. Do it. Start your podcast. You can interview me. <laughs> um, Encouragement for when family members and other peers look down on me for pursuing photography as a career. I've been told that I won't make any profit in my in this business and that I need to get a real job in the future. Thank you can I just tell you, those are the haters. Like the people that tell you, like, you're not going to succeed. Like literally, are you like, are you jealous? Like, why are you saying this to me? There is no reason that people shouldn't support you. As long as you're not making like crazy, foolish decisions, like starting a photography business is not a foolish choice. Like it's not like it it's just not like it's not like you're going and like i don't know like just doing something that's like so like i cannot support that like for real starting a photography business you can't support that like that just is not making sense in my brain so don't literally my best advice just don't listen to them truly like maybe they're jealous maybe Um, they're trying to live vicariously, vicariously through you. Maybe there's an underlying thing of like, they wish they would have started something when they were young and they like regret it. I don't know, but just literally don't listen to them because I've seen countless people start successful photography businesses and they live off of that income and that is their job now. And when I say countless, I mean, basically every single photographer that I know, there's a girl that I mentored like two years ago that literally is thriving and she's doing amazing. And like, if she would have just stopped two years ago when people told her, you're not going to be successful, you're not going to make profit. Like literally, no. Where I'm blocking that out. Like I literally cannot even fathom. No. Do not listen to that person. You got this. You can do it. Okay, we are really... I've got a lot more submissions to go through and not a lot of time. So this next one, pricing slash charging friends and family. And then they say like, oh, hope you can make it and don't forget to bring your camera. Here's the thing. This has happened to me a few times. You just need to tell people and just be honest and be like, hey, I normally charge. Like, here's what I normally charge. like all Or also say like, I would love to enjoy this family event because this is literally my full-time job. So I can snap like a few group photos, but like, that's it. Like, I'm not going to take candids. I'm not going to walk around. Um, just be transparent. Honestly, if you want to offer people discounts, offer people discount, offer discounts to people that you feel like, I don't know, are, are close to you or if people, people that you feel comfortable offering discounts to maybe you draw a line and you say like close friends and family, like you're not going to do extended family or whatever. So just make sure you have like that line drawn. How do you stop blanking during a session? Like no matter how much I prepare, I always space out when it comes to posing. I'll run through my go-to poses within the first 20 minutes and for the rest of the hour, I feel like a full fool help. So I find that talking to your clients really helps. So talk to them, ask them questions and fill that empty space with conversation. I feel like that is really what elevates A session takes it from pose, 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 pose to pose, little talking break, um, you know, just like stuff like that. Um, It also sounds like you might be jumping from pose to pose too quickly. So leave time in your brain to think instead of jumping from pose to pose to pose. You're leaving no time for your brain to actually like process the next pose or anything. So um, slow down. Truly, like, slow it down. Um, if you have, like, five poses that you do, like, for every single session and you get through it in 20 minutes, um, try some new poses. Try something creative. Or do variations of the poses that you do all the time. So if you do walking, do a bunch of variations of walking. Um, go to a new location or walk to someplace different. I love how going to a new location kind of eats up a little bit of time. And it also allows you to get a completely different type of photo and a different feel to your photo. So switch up your location or be honest with them. Like tell them like, hey, my brain is kind of blinking right now. Let's take five. I literally had this happen at a session where like we had maybe 10 minutes left and I was like, guys, I don't really know anything else to do. So is there anything else you wanted to do? And I'll ask them like if there's anything else. But if I feel like I have enough, then I'll just kind of stop it early. Um, I think it's hard because as photographers, we know that it only takes 20 minutes to get all the photos that you need, but we have these hour, hour and a half long sessions. So, I mean, because you have such a long session time, just be honest and take time, um, take a breath, take a breather, all of those things. Okay. I just had to break because my sister just texted me asking if I want Duncan. And I said, yes, ma'am. Okay, next submission. Hi Cassidy, I'm traveling to Colorado this summer and I'm just dying to create some couples slash wedding content while I'm out there. Any advice on finding couples to model for you in a new location? Do I have advice? Yes, obviously. So I always post on my Instagram, on my story, I'll post it a couple of times. If that doesn't work, maybe find some modeling groups. Like you can literally find these Facebook groups on Facebook, (laughs) Obviously they're on Facebook, these Facebook groups, and it's like um, like it'll literally be like Colorado models or something like that. Um, so that's a good option for sure. Uh if not, like go up to random people on the street (laughs) and ask them if they want to model. Find like a workshop, put together your own workshop. I do feel like it's hard if you're just visiting a place you don't know anyone to find someone to model. Um, and if it comes down to it, maybe you model, <laughs> I don't know, and you do self portraits. Um, so those are a few ideas. What does your editing schedule look like? And how do you push yourself when you know you'll be editing all day? Not sure if cannabis is legal where you're located, but in Canada it is. And sometimes I find it hard not to reach it, reach for it, to push myself to edit for eight hours. Do you take breaks, et cetera? So, I don't usually find myself editing for 10 hours. Um, I find that I work really well with half days. So like I'll edit for half a day or like for an evening or something like that. Um, If you're editing for 10 hours, let's say you have to do it. I mean, if there are things that can help you get through, like, I mean, I'll be drinking a matcha. I'll have like a matcha and a chai just so you know. I think it's something like, Giving you like a little something to enjoy while you're doing something mundane. I think it's kind of rewarding. Like when I get to 600 photos, like once I get through 600 photos, then I'm going to have a matcha or whatever. Um, You know, editing for a long time is hard. Sometimes you have to do it, but if you can break it up, I would recommend breaking it up. If you have to do 10 hours though, definitely take breaks. Like I am not doing a full 10 hours. If I needed to, I would do like three hours 20 minute break, three hours, another break, setting timers and being like, okay, I'm going to edit for an hour and then I get a 10 minute break and then I'm going to edit for an hour and I get a 10 minute break. I feel like that's kind of like a good way for me to continue on is like segmenting my editing so it doesn't feel as overwhelming. This next person said, I sell fine art landscape photos and I also photograph couples slash families. My Instagram is really starting to feel consi- inconsistent and I'm always second guessing if I should post landscapes or people or both. Should I start a separate account for my portrait photos and only post landscapes to my current page? Um, I do think there's a point where you need to niche down and like kind of choose one or the other. I think there could be a really beautiful way for you to incorporate people into your landscapes. Um, like I'm picturing like a, a gigantic, beautiful mountain and then like your couple is just teeny tiny. You know what I mean? Like they're hiking and they're so small or something like that. Um, That might be a fun way to incorporate your landscapes into your work. But I do think that it's important to have like like people in your photos if it's going to be like something that you're going to pursue, if you're going to pursue like weddings and couples and stuff. But personally... I think that keeping your current account for portrait photos of people and posting landscapes on another page is a better idea than you keeping your current landscape page and then starting a new like couples page. I personally am not a big fan of having multiple pages. Um, I think a personal and a business page is good, but like having multiple pages for multiple things is so confusing and it makes it overwhelming for you as a person, like to manage both of those. So I would probably recommend keeping them both, but maybe shifting your content a little bit, um, what you're shooting and what you're advertising. I'm 17 and I'm a beginner photographer. I've done a few senior sessions and a family session. I've definitely seen improvement, but my biggest struggle is golden hour. And that's what everyone wants. The photos are either super backlit or overexposed or if I shoot with the sun on one side of their face then it's too much shadow especially from the nose then I struggle to edit them sorry if that was a lot but basically do you have any advice for shooting golden hour my best advice honestly it sounds like you're shooting too early because golden hour if you hit it at the right time like 30 minutes before sunset or like 20 minutes before sunset that sun is so low and it almost like is less intense and it's really soft and golden, that's the sun that is like perfect. Um, so if if you're shooting earlier, like an hour before sunset, that's when you're going to start to get those photos where like the sun is a little too high and like, it's still really bright. You always want to shoot backlit in my opinion, or if you're going to shoot like not backlit with a, like a little bit of side sun, I almost feel like that's more of like a moody, artistic vibe. Um, And then you have to think, okay, when I'm editing, am I going to emphasize the shadows or try to get rid of the shadows? And honestly, I think a lot of the times we're our worst critic. And when it comes to like the side lit stuff, we're just like, oh my gosh, that looks so bad. The lighting's so bad. But I feel like you can make it really moody and really vibey like don't try to eliminate all the shadows, especially in like a shot like that, a golden hour with like that sideways sun, that could be a really pretty, like moody photo. And who knows, maybe you're like, people end up liking that. Maybe that's what your clients end up liking. So my best advice would be probably shoot a little bit later in golden hour and you'll see a little bit more soft sun. First off, I love your podcast. It literally inspires me so much and I have so much respect and- admiration for you and your work. Thank you. My two biggest struggles recently have been managing inquiries, responses and and all that comes with that, and then two bad weather and figuring out rescheduling due to that. What advice would you have for a photographer who's newer, who's experiencing a lot of growth, but is feeling overwhelmed with keeping track of clients, also dealing with a lot of rainy days and clients wanting to reschedule but not having any available openings to reschedule? Okay. So your first question about managing your calendar and stuff, you need a client management software. I always recommend HoneyBook. Dubsado is a great option as well. Um, so that's for managing your calendar, managing your projects. When you get a project, like, in someone books with you, make sure you change their status to planned or planning so then it shows up in your calendar as, like, this is something that's planning and happening Your inquiries will show up just as, like, inquiries. So it's, like, not in, like, the planning stage. Um, So that's super helpful. Um, Bad weather. If you are so busy to the fact where you can't reschedule due to bad weather, you're probably overbooking yourself and not charging enough. If you don't have any open slots, like, and you're completely booked, charge more or offer like slots before golden hour so like let's say you're doing a photo shoot downtown golden hour on tuesday but on monday you have a photo shoot that gets rescheduled and like there's bad weather offer the time slot before your golden hour photo shoot like the next day so like offer so like let's say your golden hour photo shoots from 7 30 to 9 offer a spot from like 5 30 to to seven for the people that need to reschedule. Just let them know it's not going to be ideal lighting, but like you don't have any other options or shoot rain or shine. You can put that in your contract and let them know I shoot rain or shine, but make sure you tell people that when they book with you. So those are two options for you to do. I know it's hard because a lot of the times you're working multiple jobs or like you just don't have time to like add new sessions into your schedule. Um, but sometimes you just have to make do, like you just have to squeeze them in or just be transparent be like, Hey, I don't have any openings. I'm sorry. We can either shoot this day or like, like that's all I can offer you. You could do like a studio option as well and offer them a studio on the day that it's raining. That would also be another option. Okay. So next question, fairly new to an area. And I don't know anyone here. How do I get clients without having to spend money on ads or apps that quote, help you get leads? Word of mouth. That's how I grew when I first started 100% word of mouth. Um, put yourself out there on socials, post about your work, post about it on your personal page, start maybe a business page if you want, or post your work starting on your personal page, shoot for free. That's how I got a lot of my word of mouth referrals was from shooting for free and just building my portfolio. Make connections and make friends. This is a huge one. Like, just make genuine friends, and that's going to help you get more bookings. Like, I promise you, like having connections, photographer friends, and non photographer friends, just like put yourself out there in the area that you're living. That is like one of the best ways to get bookings. Maybe you go to local venues and you start asking them, Hey, can I take pictures of your property? um, and like send them to you? Or can I be on your vendor list? Like you literally straight up just ask people, can I be on your vendor list? And like go in in person, talk to vendors, like put yourself out there. That would probably be my best advice. Okay. We have hit basically the one hour mark. So I'm going to try to wrap it up here. We have two more. I've been doing photography since 2017, but officially became a couples photographer about 10 months ago. I feel confident in my business, but I feel like there's something missing during my actual sessions. Everything leading up to the couple session feels great, and I prioritize client experience, but I feel like there's more I could be doing during the actual sessions. I want my clients to have a super fun time and feel comfortable, and I think they most of the time feel that way, but I still feel like there's more I could do. Any advice on up-leveling couple sessions? Thanks. I'm a big fan of your podcast. So first thing that popped into my mind is making your couple sessions a little bit more like a date night slash feel like a movie rather than here's a pose, here's a pose, here's a pose, here's what to do with your hands, blah, 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 the end, that's the end of the session. I think if you can add in fun little moments that'll just give you candid photos throughout your session would really up-level the experience. I know people who go and buy a bottle of champagne on the way to their session and just, like, let the couple pop the champagne and have a little moment where they, like, sit down and they drink the champagne or maybe, like, sparkling juice or whatever. Like, that would be a really fun way to break up your session and just give them, like, five minutes to be themselves and just, like, have fun with it. Maybe you set up a little picnic. Maybe you... Um, Kind of like plan like a little date for them almost. Like you have them go on a little walk. Like you're going to walk super far away from me and then walk back towards me. Like I think doing poses where you're giving extra time, like slowing things down is going to give the best experience. And not focusing so much on pose, 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 but getting to know the couple – If you feel like you've got posing down, you need to get the customer experience down. Like the the in-person talking with people, getting to know them. Like I think that is key. Okay, so the next submission actually isn't a submission, but I just wanted to end with it because it's so nice. This person said, not needing advice, but just wanted to thank you for all the amazing tips and advice you've already given us. I truly believe I'm a better photographer because you've been so open and willing to share your knowledge. My workflow sessions and behind the scenes vibe is so much easier and enjoyable thanks to you. It's weird to feel so thankful for someone you've never met, but I'm sure I speak for so many of us when I say thank you so much. Please never doubt yourself and what you're putting out. It's always gold and we love it. You are a photo girly icon. That's so sweet. I'm so glad that you guys are liking the stuff that I'm putting out. And that just, like, warms my heart. Um, You know, because a lot of the times I only focus on the negative part of my career and, like, what people say negatively. But that's just, like, a really good refresher. So thank you guys so much for loving the content that I put out. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Um, I hope that you loved it. And I will see you next week. Expose my
0: mind to clarity. My spirit shudders Capture the moment uh, To keep my sanity And the wisdom rushing in So much clearer now Get down Getting a little bit better I'm climbing to the top Never gonna stop I getting good old shoes. Exposure With all of the highlights And the shadows is my composure All the layers above All the edits and tweaks I know her I am so done Need more time developing In my It doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain and down in quicksand whatever the moment wherever we stand I'm taking you it. it doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain and down in quicksand whatever the moment wherever we stand I'm taking you taking you taking you all suits Get